Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words. Hi, it's Rob Moorhead, and I'm with my business partner, best friend, um, genius, that is Mark Homer. Um, we used to do a lot of talks together, didn't we, back in the day? We did, Rob. Yeah. We did. And now those, we don't. Those days are a, uh, a distant memory. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason we're doing this live stream uh, and video is because, well, twofold, really. Um, we've been asked by a TV production company um, to answer some questions for them for a possible TV show. Now, Mark and I have probably done, what, a couple of dozen um, videos or pilots or filming days for various TV companies. And as you have not seen yet, we are not... Uh, the next um, homes under the hammer or whatever. And that's fine because we do what we do. Um, but we do, still do from time to time uh, pick some uh, good TV concepts and shows. We get approached all the time. And, and I mean probably on a three, three or four times a month to do various TV shows. I turned down The Secret Millionaire. We turned down that um, the day the tenants moved in. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, a lot of our communities did that. We turned that down. We turned quite a few down just because of like maybe brand association. Um, I turned down how the other half live. Um, sometimes I think I should have done some of them. Anyway, um, let's see where it, where it goes. So we're recording that for um, for them. Hi, them. Um, and uh, we thought we'd do it live in the community. Kieran, who is, I won't turn the camera because I've spent ages positioning here to get us. We're sitting really close together here, by the way. Um, Kieran's going to ask the questions that they want us to answer. And we're going to answer them for you. If we've got time, we'll do a bit of a live Q&A. We may, we may not. Let's go. Okay, perfect. So let's get started. Introduce yourself and what your title is. Hi, I'm Mark Homer, uh, Director of Progressive Property. Um, a lot of my day is spent uh, doing developments, looking at buildings uh, at Progressive. You know, I'd be heading to sort of finance and, you know, some of the, I don't know, some of the more boring stuff, which uh, lots of people aren't interested in. Uh, but I, I just, I love sort of property and I love building property portfolios, finding better ways to invest. Uh, and then we do a lot of training. We teach others how to do the same thing. Uh, so I get involved in mentoring um, and um, giving other people ideas and steerage on their own journeys and, and, and sort of business plans. I'm Rob Moore. I'm co-founder of Progressive Property and I'm Mark Homer's Biatch. I'm basically general dogs. Now. <laughs> um, I focus more on the training side and the business development side. So um, I, I spend more of my time growing progressive property, unlimited success, my authoring, podcasting, etc. Mark and I, well, in fact, I think it was 2007, you and I sat down because for si about six months, Mark and I were just following each other around. Everything I was doing, Mark was doing. Everything Mark was doing, I was doing. And that kind of wasn't good leverage of time. So we kind of separated our roles. And Mark took more ownership of building our portfolio and managing other people's properties. Um, he is more involved in the letting agency, for example, than I am, which has, what, 850 lets now, something like that? 850 tenants, yeah. Wow, yeah. Um, and then I took on more of the business development, growing the companies and the brand, the content. So that's kind of more what I do day to day. Okay, moving on to the next one. Nice and loud. Tell us the story of how you worked your way up the property ladder. Well... Um, when did I start buying? So I started buying in 2003, I think I bought my first one. Uh, I was buying sort of overseas, I was buying off plan, I was buying new build in the UK. Shit, shit, I, shit. I was buying all the stuff that, that, that I shouldn't, that didn't work. 
Um, and I got to the stage where I realized that actually I wasn't doing the right thing. Um, so I, I started buying these little sheds, these little sort of three bed ex-council properties, uh, mainly around Peterborough. They yielded really well. Um, and I just cracked on buying them in bad condition, refurbishing them and then putting tenants in and remortgaging several times. Um, so I just kept kept rolling with that. And then eventually, um, you know, we, we, we realized to really expand this thing and, and go hard at it. We needed to bring clients in who'd got deposit pots or, 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 or cash so that we could accelerate, buy a lot more. And then Rob and I took an equity slice on all those properties. Uh, we ended up buying, I don't know, let's say around 500, something like that, individual properties. Um, obviously, you know, we were managing, sorry, building and managing um, our own sort of investments as well. Uh, and then we brought it all in-house. We manage it in-house now. A lot of those clients, most of them are still with us. We, we still manage their properties. Um, and um, yeah, that's where it, where it all sort of started. I've always wanted to find the highest returning, highest yielding investment that we can control. Uh, and, um, you know, we sort of, I've, I've graduated into commercial buildings, converting them uh, and, and doing developments that, that end up often as, as part commercial, part residential or, or all sort of residential. So um, my addition to that story, um, similar but different, is Mark had been going a few more years than me when I met him. We met at a property networking event. We got on well. We socialised as well as liked property. Um, and we partners up, partnered up. Mark took a chance on me and put some of his deposits in and some of the money from his family. And we built um, a portfolio together and I uh, got my half share, but I didn't have to put the deposits in because I didn't have them. Mark had kind of made a lot of the mistakes before he bought overseas off plan new build and he kind of shielded me from that and taught me what not to do. We bought a lot of single lets and then Mark wanted to test some multi-lets. So he bought quite a few multi-lets. Um, and then we started going into commercial whereby we bought our first commercial property, which was also our office. So we de-risked the exit and then we bought another office and then we bought a, a second uh, build. We, in fact, we've bought four buildings, which are essentially we've knocked into two buildings, which is our um, office and our training suite. What's the size of the office and training suite? Five, six, five thousand each. Um, so the the two training facility buildings are three one two one square foot. So they're about six thousand two hundred and fifty mm. square foot, and the office is five three forty. That, that, that's sort of that is the exact net, size. Their net size is obviously when net. you add when you add all the circulation space, the stairs, and the the, the bathrooms and everything like that. You 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 end up about 15% more. Right. So we're about 12,000 usable, something like that. Yeah, maybe total. gross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, that kind of de-risked us getting into commercial and then Mark started developing buildings, turning old old members' clubs into um, units of rooms and flats. Did a, Mark did a 23-flat conversion in Fletton. Um, he did a, he's now doing big conversions, like hundreds of units um, in, in two major buildings in the centre of town. Um, throughout that journey, like Mark said, we started to sell deals to other people. One, because we had more deals than we could buy. And two, to have a, an, an additional income stream and a, an additional business. We think it's really important to have multiple streams of income. I started um, writing books with Mark's knowledge, but I was doing most of the writing. So we became published authors. I think between us now, we've written 15 or 16 books. Um, and then, of course, the podcasting and the um, and the community on Facebook and Progressive Property is now the biggest UK UK's biggest training company by quite a long way. 
Um, so that was kind of my interweave, interwoven version of that journey. And now for ourselves, we focus on conversions and bigger developments because they're a better use of time. What was the first property you bought? Mine was 26 I Road, which mm-hmm. I still own. The first property I bought was a flat in Bulgaria. <laughs> yeah. In, in a ski resort in Bulgaria. Is it the first one you sold as well? No, I sold it many years later at a, at a, at a, some, I lost something, let's say something like 60 or 70% of the purchase price. I think, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that was a really, really bad purchase. And then uh, that was off plan. That took years to build. Uh, and then eventually um, I, I bought a, another investment property in Hampton, which is very close to here. Did you still own that? No, I flipped it when it was, um, when it was ready. And mm. Made sort of 15 grand, but realised if I'd just gone and bought a little shed during the same period, um, I, I'd have probably made, you know, the purchase price might have been, I don't know, 60 at the time. And I'd have ended up making double out of something that was 60 grand instead of 130 grand. Mm. Don't buy a new bill like that. It, yeah. it doesn't work. Yeah. And someone who actually we've got to know quite well, I won't tell his surname, um, but his first name's Christian. And he was quite surprised how um, the properties in Peterborough didn't look very nice. Um, and Mark's always said, usually the more minging they are, the more money they make. So um, we're all about return and not so much about... It, it's, it, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. Um, you know, if let's say you go to the north and you... I don't know. Let's say you go to Middlesbrough and you find the worst looking property. Yeah, they're 15 grand and it, it may not work because the streets are so bad. But in most towns, you, you find these sort of ugly properties where the, the capital value is lower, but the rent is no lower. So the investment yields yields higher. Mm. So, um, yeah, the it's the same is better. In, same in a yeah. lot of things. Like with watches, the most nondescript subtle watches are often the ones that are worth the most money. So it's just, you know, we can all be sort of lured in by things that look nice and shiny. So the house I bought, 26 I Road, um, was actually one that my dad helped me with the deposit on. And it was my first um, property that I lived in, um, my first home. Um, And then I gave it to my parents when um, I was in a good financial position where I um, was able to help them out. And so they retired in that home and they still live in that home rent and mortgage free. Um, so my first property has kind of got a good story to it. But Mark's first property, Bulgaria, he said to me, I remember the day you sold it because we were in the lift going to see James Khan at the Property Super Conference. It, it, it was such a release <laughs> and, 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 it, and it's a, a real lesson to me. Um, it was one of those, it was like a growth on the side of my face <laughs> that I managed to cut off um, in, in 2011. I remember You, you said that was yeah. um, the best education you know, I think, what do you call it? Your entrance fee. It was a, it was a major entrance fee, um, and you know, I'd had the pain of it. I'd been to the bloody notary public and all sorts of stuff over over all the years that I had it. Yeah, boom. Um, in a, in a in a market that was growing really strongly in the UK. By the way, sorry, Mark. I think this might be a record for how many people we've got on a live stream in the community. This is big. Um, we should. We should is that get, what that is? Yeah. Seventy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should get together more often. Um, next question, Kieran. What is your work ethic? What is my work ethic? Um, so, my, I have a little bit of a, a fear-based work ethic. I believe you have to make hay while the sun shines. Because I believe that there are always bad times potentially around the corner, whether that's a recession or Brexit, you can be blindsided quite frequently. And I never take anything for granted. So on the one hand, Mark and I have created assets. We have residual income. 
you know, we don't have to work, but we choose to work. Um, and for me, retirement wasn't not working. It was choosing to work or not on hopefully my own terms. Although we've got what now, if you include let's, we've got 86 staff. And so Mark and I often have to work for them as much as they work for us. So my work ethic is um, I want to take advantage and, you know, create assets more and more and grow while we can, while things are good, because you never know when things could go bad. Um, and Mark's always saying to me, look, Rob, chuck money aside for a rainy day, chuck money aside for a rainy day, hold money for a rainy day. And we, we want to set ourselves up in the position whereby if we didn't earn any income for a good long time because the world just, you know, was doomed, we can still live. Um, I love what I do and I do what I love. So for me, I have a real problem with boredom. And so even when I've kind of got myself out of that business, systemized that business, finished that book, whatever, I always still have to be involved because I love it. Um, and if I were to start again and choose, what would I do if money were no object? Definitely a lot of what I already do, maybe not all of it, but a lot of it, I would do if money were no object. So that's my work ethic. So my work ethic comes in waves dependent on what I've got on. So, you know, if I've got a, you know, a, I don't know, development going on or a load of planning issues or, you know, I'm going into a contract or whatever, it can get very intense for a period of time. Uh, and then, you know, it's, it, and then it just sort of tails off. So it, it's very much, you know, I, my, my job isn't necessarily sort of the same thing every day. It's more fixing challenges, fixing problems, or, you know, sort of deal by deal issues as they come along. Because I've tried to build most of what I do, not everything, there's, there's lots of mentoring and things like that. But, you know, as, as a sort of, say, automatic or, or something that somebody else can do, and I can just monitor. What milestone are you most proud of? I think uh, winning business of the year. I mean, awards aren't something that we particularly chase. Mm -hmm. And we haven't particularly got a million of them, but uh, we, we won a very coveted business of the year 2016, which I think was pretty cool. Breaking the public speaking world records and raising the hundreds of thousands of pounds for charity. That was pretty cool. I think each time Mark and I have got to, I don't know, maybe 20 properties, 50 properties, 100 properties or certain levels of income, five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand. They're nice milestones. Um, I couldn't pick one specific one because I think the best work we've got is still left to come. When we brought all the properties in-house and set up the letting agency, that was a, quite a good milestone. That was a good milestone. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think when we bought our first commercial, our first office, that was yeah. a good milestone um, because we were no longer renting, we owned. And we owned it personally and we were renting it to our company, so there was quite a good trade-off there. Your first public speech is quite a big milestone considering we do a lot of those. I think for me, um, obviously, we, we, we got a, a couple of Guinness World Records uh, for public speaking. So that, that was a huge thing. I think the first book, uh, when that was properly published, and especially when um, we got a, um, you know, Hachette, you know, huge international publisher to, to publish our and mine and Rob's books, which... Um, the translation was, deals are nice. Yeah, translation deals are, 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 are awesome. I've, I've got a book that's translated into Turkish. I... I'd been told about it uh, a while ago, sort of signed the paperwork, but then didn't hear anything more. And then a client just put a, a picture up of a book with my name on it in English. 
and then a load of Turkish writing on it. <laughs> um, so I thought I'd better, you know, so I put it all into Google Translate. <laughs> Check they got it right. That's yeah. what it, you know, because I didn't know what it said. Um, and then... Um, it, it, it came up with, um, you know, a, a rough translation of Uncommon Sense. Um, so I, ord- I managed to find the book on Amazon. Someone was selling it. Uh, I ordered it, I bought it, and then I put it in a picture frame. And then I, I did the same with all the others. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, a couple of newspaper articles on sort of our history and, and what's happened. You know, they, the big they, one in the Independent. Yeah, um, there was Independent. I've had the FT. Um, the Guardian did a reasonably big one, which um, was quite scathing. Um, <laughs> but um, actually, in a way, I've, I've had a few people come to me and gone, well, you know, I think most people can read between the lines and uh, and, and see what that was really about. Um, so, yeah, there's there's been quite a few. I mean, you know, developing, uh, you know, the, the next bigger building or, you know, maybe... You know, at the moment, I'm, it's not finished yet, but, you know, we're, we're doing the, the Marks and Spencer's building. We've got planning uh, permission for 99 apartments. You know, obtaining that was um, quite an arduous process in the centre of the city centre, you know, in the middle of the city centre. Um, quite an arduous. Yeah. I can translate that. It means something else. Yeah. A um, fucking nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, they're... they're, they're Pretty, pretty big challenges, and um, yeah, and you know some some of the some of the sort of fun that we've had. You know, we've we've been we, we've run big training programs in the Caribbean. Um, you know, we super conferences. Uh, super conferences have been you know pretty. I mean, like the, the last one with the twelve hundred people there, something like that. Um, we had Alan Sugar at one. You know, James Khan. James Khan. Um, yeah, Grant yeah. Cardone. Um, Bob Geldof. You know. That was exciting. Do you remember when Bob Geldof um, fell up your now wife in front of everyone? <laughs> she loved it. I know she did. She did. She, she got a sat, sat on his knee, oh, was fondling her all over uh, the place. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like a couple of milestones for me, um, which aren't really related to progressive, but um, it was a big privilege to be best man at Mark's wedding because um, we've built a friendship as well as a business partnership. And I think that's really important. Um, and I think the birth of our children, I was really pleased for Mark because he's just quite recently had his son, Freddie. Um, and obviously you do this for money and property and stuff like that, but you also do this for the, the, those things in life too. My mum and my dad and Mark's mum and his stepdad have all been very involved in the companies over the years. Um, which I think is a great privilege. Awesome, great answer. Describe your property portfolio. So our portfolio is, um, it, it's very much... It's like uh, a bag of revels. It, it, <laughs> yeah, it, and, 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 and looking at sort of each constituent, each constituent part is, is, a, is a sort of um, a timeline, you know, and it, it depends where you are in, in terms of sort of, you know, history, because I'm very much one for for going, you know, sort of linear and, and very deep. So obviously, early days did some stuff we shouldn't, managed to sell a few of those. Then you're into loads and loads of the sort of little sheds, loads of little terraces. So if you see any of those in our portfolio, then you pretty much know the years that that was bought. And then after that, we've, we've done sort of more multi-lets, HMOs, houses, that was for a period. And then Subsequently, there are commercial conversion buildings, um, and you know that. And, and if you look at the size of those, y- you can sort of work out, you know, wh- where they are. So there's there's quite a few, you know, blocks, com- commercial conversion blocks into into residential, 
Um, you know, obviously the, the, the sheds I mentioned before. Uh, and then the, the latest stuff you'll see, shops with residential above. Um, Some multi-lets in the middle of that, weren't there? There was a few you did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the, um, you know, commercial, we'd, we'd have offices, we'd have retail, um, not not so much sort of industrial. Uh, I like a bit of that. Yeah, pubs that were pubs, but they're not pubs anymore. Um, so, you know, it's sort of, it's heavily towards residential, but we, we've got sort of commercial as well that we've picked up over the years. I think I've not got much to add other than our portfolio has been a journey. Um, and what we've tend to do is react to the market, the depression or the um, more sort of affluent economic times. We've tried to jump on opportunities, things like um, permitted development and not planning permission or then getting planning when others couldn't um, or various um, more relaxed rules around multi-letting and licensing. So what we've always tried to do is buy property that works locally and that's changed over time. But Mark and I are big on never selling a property as long as it works. And so we've kept most of them. We must have kept 95% of them, if not more. We've only sold a handful. Um, and I think in the next 10 years, it's going to continue to develop and grow. There'll be opportunities that come up. We might even build one day, who knows? But it's not our skill set at the moment. What is the value of your property? <laughs> so um, I've got three people in my life who um, keep me the most grounded. They're the closest people in my life. And they challenge me. And that's Mark, our MD, Catherine, uh, and my wife, Gemma. Um, and then you could add our accountant to that as well. So there's four people um, who say to me all the time, never share your net worth, never share you know, the values of everything that, that you, you're worth. One, for security. Um, and two, because it is changing and it's, it's quite personal and private. And I'm the sort of person that I just say anything. So you ask me anything, I just say it. And then I sort of have to check, oh, would Mark and Catherine and our accountant have been okay with that? So I'm going to do the honourable thing and I'm going to decline to answer. <laughs> what I will tell you is, is tens of millions. I know I can say that. Um, and it's hundreds of units. Um, we own a lot ourselves, but we also have an equity share in probably even more in terms of ind individual units. And it's a way to get a bit of ownership without the risk. Um, and well, actually less now. It's, yeah, oh, is it it's, overtaken yeah, now? Yeah, it has, yeah. Because right. it moves, yeah. Yeah, mm, that's interesting. Because they buy us out and yeah. we buy more on our own. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so it's hundreds of units and tens of millions and that's all I'm allowed to say. Okay, next question. What do you do on an average day? Do you mean as in a very average boring day? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had an average day. Um, so I get up at about five. Um, I get a lot of my sort of important work that I need to do on my own done before eight. I spend a bit of time on social media. I go to the gym and when I can, I come into the office for two hours, often turns into five or six. Um, I have my meetings in the morning. Um, and then from lunch, I kind of slow down. Um, we go and do the podcast. We're going on Friday to interview someone very controversial. Um, I try and catch up with Mark though sometimes like recently we've spent a lot of time together but then we'll have weeks where we just don't see each other um, trying to put some more fun stuff in my life because for me work is fun but I realise that's one dimensional so Mark and I um, went and drove we raced around Silverstone didn't we which was fun and um, we went in the helicopter to the F1 at uh, um, Silverstone yeah. you flew us there um, so I'm trying to do more fun stuff as well because Mark's got a good social work-life balance, I think. He does his bits, but I just tend to get obsessed. Um, so um, my average day is sort of routine, but I also like to keep the variety in.
What's your average day, Mark? Yeah, so I'll get up at seven. Um, I don't, you know, my my life revolves around sleep because sometimes I don't sleep very well. Um, so if, I, you know, I'll get up at, at often around seven um, and then, you know, I'll, I'll sort of crack on at home for a little bit. Um, I'll maybe come in a bit later. I'll usually leave the office maybe at six o'clock, something like that. But often it'll move around because I'll be out on site. Uh, a couple of days ago, I was, I was away in another town on site. Um, you know, I might be, um, it, it just really depends, you know, what I've got on. Um, I, I do most of the th- sort of thinking, I'm better, probably better in the morning, more energy. Um, but I just, I, I like to have lots of gaps between my meetings uh, so I can think. Um, I often, often go out of the office and I go and sit in a, a in a coffee shop, which shall remain nameless. Um, when <laughs> I should we just do it like that? <laughs> <laughs> you gave it away at the start. Because uh, I can sort of sit there without interruption. Uh, well, I can in one of them. The other one I can't because people have started working out where I am. Um, <laughs> um, it, it, when, it, when I need to think and, and, and do sort of specific stuff, contracts, whatever that might be. Um, so, yeah, it depends sort of mm. what I'm doing, where I'm doing it. My version of that is 5.30 to 8 in the morning at home. I've got a four-story house um, and I make sure I'm the furthest away from the kids. Um, I found a couple of spots at home where yeah, no, no one, one can find you. No one knows where Mark's I am. has got a massive house and yeah. it's really long. So, like, if he goes at one end, you're lost. I bet your wife's like, where's my uncle? She doesn't know. <laughs> I mean, she started, started working it out. Um, but, yeah, I just, um, I'm evasive. Yeah. <laughs> when Mark goes yeah. on holidays, he doesn't tell people when he's back. So they can't find him when he's back. So he can keep, like, get, get on with his stuff. This is an interesting one from Paul. We should just take this. Um, Mark, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you hate doing these Q and A's? Is it, does it look that bad? <laughs> <laughs> All right, decline to answer. Uh, no, I, I enjoy doing this, yeah. this sort of stuff. Um, no, no issue with it. Uh, apologies if I'm smirking. <laughs> uh, no, I think yeah. that was a loving smirk. Yeah, Mark yeah. loving the smirk. Yeah. That was when we, you were, we were asked about net worth of portfolio. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, Mark's face tells them. We've got four, but three, and then we're on 100. This is definitely a world record. A world two, then it's a record. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, let's just ask another question. Let's get to 100 on the live. What's the biggest risk you've taken in terms of property? Um, yeah, twenty-two prob- million pound project we're doing yeah, at the moment. Pro- probably, yeah, probably that one. Um, you know, it's, it's GDB. It, you know, sort of north of twenty million. Um, so, um, you know, for me, I, I'm not somebody who loves taking piles of risk. And you know, usually if I'm borrowing money, it's first charge only. I don't like all the mares and all the the bit on top and the you know, the, yeah. So um, we haven't actually taken massive risks over the years, have we? Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Been, There's the difference of yeah, risk appetite. There have been times, Rob. There have been times. Well, there's yeah. always going to be those times, yeah. aren't there? It's when cash goes. Yeah. When you you know pile a load of cash into properties and it, and it rolls down, that's what sends me a bit skitty. I like to have liquid uh, available. So you don't uh, like, as Grant Cardone says, to um, get rid of all your cash. Cash is not trash, Rob. No, cash is trash. No. <laughs> cash is not trash. Cash is power. Yeah. 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 I mean, 
I don't know. I think some of our bigger events have been a little bit of a risk, haven't they? I think one of the super conferences put us in a little bit of a liquidity challenge. Yeah, probably that, our worst. I put all the invoices in my drawer. A lot in the drawer. Yeah. yeah, and no one knew where they were. Yeah, um, um, and we got them all paid, by the way. It yeah. was just um, we delayed them for a bit. Um, but we tend not to take massive risks, and we tend to try and stockpile cash. Um, and yeah, and have um, cash in multiple assets, so that even when your cash is low, you've got other assets. Um, I know that's not a sexy question because people like the whole, oh, yeah, I took massive risks. I was just about to go bust. I was 28 billion in debt. And then, bang, I'm a billionaire. <laughs> um, but it's like how many most of those stories are for fucking films and they're not real. And I think if you take if you, you know, if you go 10x too early, you could go minus 10x and be bust. Yeah. And I think in America, it's a bit more. No one can, uh, it's yeah. not taboo to go bust. No. But it would, I would be embarrassed and shamed if I went bust and I don't want to do it. And I'm prepared to take less risks and think long term. What are your business plans for next year? As in 2020? 2020. Okay. Um, so we're probably not going to go all in and buy a load more property projects um, because we've got two big ones on the go. I can imagine in the next 16 months, a couple of projects are going to come to our door. And even though Mark will say, let's not be too aggressive with the buying, we're probably going to find a couple that we're going to be tempted by. Um, and I think if we could maintain buying of on average, one big block a year, maybe, um, maybe two, and maybe zero in a year where we're doing massive planning and developments. I think Mark would agree that would be okay um, because we're doing such big developments now that one, there aren't many, and two, the risk is significant. Um, in terms of the education business, we've just merged and kind of rebranded everything into Progressive. So Unlimited Success became Progressive Success. We've got Progressive Media, Progressive Publishing, our Progressive Digital Agencies. Um, so I really want to grow our digital agencies, um, which is podcasts, social media. I want to continue to grow our training business. We're up, Progressive's up like pretty much 40% this year. Um, up, overall, our companies are up just over 20% um, top line. So I'm pleased with that. Um, and then take Progressive to the global stage. Continue with our content and our community. Just keep doing what we're doing but a bit bigger and in more countries. Okay, what's your view on the right to buy scheme? So right to buy uh, is something that Thatcher brought in. Um, I think it would have been 80s. Um, and it's obviously been a good thing. Loads and loads of tenants have had the opportunity to purchase the properties which they were renting from the council and they've had a discount sometimes the discount if they've been in there many years paid lots of rent sometimes the discount was really significant um so yeah great for those people a lot of the houses we bought though were council houses those sort of you know little three beds i was talking about the ugly ones um and what happened was a lot of those people ended up um you know through the right to buy scheme buying their own home and then they sort of remortgaged remortgaged Lots of them got into trouble and then the likes of us, you know, sort of end up buying them. Um, so, yes, great for quite a few people. Um, the ones that, you know, maybe haven't, I don't know, had much sort of financial education or, or, or maybe not sort of focused on that have, have then ended up losing those properties and, and getting repossessed. So I think maybe a bit of right to buy with almost enforced financial education uh, would be even better. 
Um, I think you'd probably have a higher percentage of home ownership now if that had taken place. It was very, very popular. Um, it made the Conservatives and Thatcher very popular. It's obviously still rolling now, um, but the numbers have reduced significantly. Um, Labour have got all sorts of uh, ideas about how to... Uh, you love Labour, don't you, mate? Yeah, <laughs> not. Um, um, well, Corbyn specifically uh, as seems to have all these... Um, Idea. Somebody told me yesterday that he wants to set up a land trust uh, whereby tenants pay rent um, for the land that their house sits on and they own the house but not the land beneath it. Um, I'm sure they've not thought it through properly. I'm sure it will cost huge amounts and I bet it won't work. Um, Sean said here he thinks Mark is better looking. Andy's richer than me as well. So what have I got going? I've not got a lot going. Um, okay, we've got a next question. Uh, uh, that's, Mark knows way more about that than me. So, What's your opinion on buy-to-let scheme? Buy-to-let scheme? Yeah. What's that? That's what the TV company have asked. Yeah. Um, buy-to-let scheme. Help-to-buy scheme. Is that what it is? Help-to-buy help yeah. is... Um, uh, a scheme that allows um, purchasers of properties um, to buy new build uh, with much reduced deposits. Um, they'll probably buy it with a 5% deposit. Um, the other 20% gets put in by the government, but then they start paying a, a sort of interest fee on that. And then after five years, that goes up. Um, I think it's brought a lot of people into the market that haven't got much of a deposit, which is a great thing. Um, it's also increased the percentage of people buying for their own home versus renting, which is alleviating a political concern. So it's probably, um, you know, eased some of the pressure against landlords, which is clearly good from a sort of, I don't know, a, a, you know, our point of view. Um, and but, but the sort of negative side of it is, um, well, and it's been good for the developers because obviously lots of developers have been able to sell properties, whereas if that helped buy scheme hadn't been there, I think a lot more developers would have gone bust because they, you know, they, 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 they wouldn't be able to sell the, the properties for the, the sort of prices um, that the market at, is at at the moment. Um, because obviously the, 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 the finance, the lending, the mortgages are a, a lot more sort of stringent and, 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 and better. Um, pe people are better investigated and, and, and um, all the due diligence is done on their income and, and their credit history now. So I think it's been positive in that sense. I think it has meant that lots of people have gone and bought properties that have cost them a lot more than they would have done, A, if it was just a normal purchase of a new build and definitely if it was, say, a year or two old versus it being brand new. Uh, I'd say 50, it could be 15, 20% more. A lot of those often first-time buyers have paid for a flat or a house because it's through the help to buy scheme uh, because they're less bothered about the purchase price and more bothered about how much they have to put down. Uh, and I think the results of that are starting to filter through. People don't necessarily understand that until five or 10 years later when they come to sell the property and it only sells for the same amount or maybe less, even though the market's gone up. Thanks, Mark. Atia said, a rear moment to see you both together. Um, I don't think we're having a rear moment. <laughs> um, we might be partners, but not that much. I guess you mean rare, but lovely to see you, Atty. Um, next question. 
Okay, this is the final question for the TV production company. Final question. What's your lifestyle like? What's our lifestyle like? Um, Different. Yeah, so sort of varied uh, depending on the, the time of year, but um, got a, quite a few weekends back, which is pretty cool because in the early days, all the weekends we were speaking, were speaking and, and um, yeah, so um, probably see, you know, go out for dinner a couple of times a week. That's pretty cool. Three, four holidays a year. Um, got some sort of got a nice classic car and you know a couple of supercars and things like that, which we quite enjoy. Um, I, I, you know, for me, it's all about just sort of relationships and, and seeing friends and um, spending time with my son um, and, and my wife, um, which is what I enjoy doing the most. Um, I love flying, um, so I fly a helicopter um, during the summer and spring. Um, which is um, which is great, um, you know. Pro- probably go up. I don't know during those months, once every two or three weeks. I like to go to sort of events. Went to sort of Goodwood and obviously the F1 this year. Um, done quite a, a few sort of smaller sort of car events, hill climbs, um, you know, Shelsley Walsh, Prescott, things like that um, with, with friends. Um, so yeah, and like like to sort of do things that I've not done before. Go to sort of events I've always heard about, but, you know, maybe Ascot or I don't know, you know. You took the event around Europe, didn't you? Yeah, that was yeah. cool. Uh, drove around sort of northern Spain um, in the Aventador uh, with um, sort of four other supercars. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty varied. Um, mine is far less interesting than that because I don't have many friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. So, all my friends are in the community. Thank you. I love you. What would I do without you? So um, I really enjoy writing, um, doing creating content and doing social media and my podcast and my books and connecting online. So I actually find that a pleasure as well as part of my business and brand. Um, golf with my son has been huge. He's played in world championships and European championships, and that's one of the greatest things I enjoy. Um, I do have a little bit of a taste for um, watches, cars and music. So I love to go and see live bands and I love to listen to, um, I have a, like a, a nice hi-fi system. Yeah. Um, some very expensive hi-fi equipment, um, which gives me a lot of pleasure. I'm trying to push myself to do more things like Mark does and do some more stuff with him. He always invites me to those things, but I often decline them because either I can't or I'm just like a bit of a, I kind of love just watching Netflix and watching all the autobiographical documentaries and like just those. gobbling all of those up. When Mark and I find a business one, we like to talk about that, like the founder or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, just staying engaged with the community. Like I said, what I, what I work and what I love is pretty much the same. So I'm, I'm very fortunate in, in that regard. And that's it. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We got to, we nearly got to 100 on the live. I guess this will be. Um, we'll keep this up so that you can watch it uh, on repeat if, or replay if you've just joined. Um, and I hope, um, big wigs in the TV company, that this has been what you wanted. Who knows where this will go? Thanks for tuning in, and remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Boom.